0: Hi, welcome to the Tilbrook Center for Teaching Excellence podcast. My name is Bill Selleck. I'm our director of technology and I have two illustrious guests.
1: Hi, my name is Vanessa Holmes-Silverman and I am the middle school performing arts teacher. Good morning. My name is Laura Hale.
2: I am the middle school, part of the middle school art faculty. I'm also the dean of students.
0: Well, look at us, all of these people with art. And that's our topic today we are looking at the artist's lens so this may be a new topic to you a new idea a new like schema if you will will you
1: i will i will
0: oh, perfect will you listening they, they will they did they didn't say them. anything but they, they thought no, about no no
1: i heard it i heard oh, their so thoughts so great
0: so you've heard of of like the scientific lens the scientific method when i talk with science teachers a lot of why they say they care about teaching science is so that kids can learn how to process the world through kind of a scientific lens. And I get that, and that's amazing. I think we often don't talk about the artistic lens or the artist's lens and a way of kind of processing the world, a way of working and interacting with others through an artistic way. And not like I'm going to sing everything like we're in a musical, not like I'm going to draw all the time, but as as kind of a, a schema of... Of processing the world, just like as you look through a lens, if you have a wide lens and a camera or a zoom lens, you're going to see things and interact with the world in a different way. You're going to make different choices, all of the things. So, Vanessa, yes, you have some really cool co-curricular ideas yes. around music. Walk us through, what, kind of, how you see the artist lens.
1: So, I see the artist lens as a way of connecting all of the different subjects that we learn in school. Whenever we are in class, we talk about how do you see history through the artist's lens and English and, most of all, math. I'm also a mathematician and have a degree in math, and so I constantly am looking at how music and math connect. And it's interesting that the kids really grasp this idea, they, they latch onto it, and they, they tend to want to dig deeper into the other subjects when they realize, oh, you can look at this in an artistic way and I can un- even understand it more, deeper.
0: Yeah, so I want another example, the one that comes to mind, the one I think people are thinking of now is like two sixteenth notes is the same as an eighth note, two eighth notes are a quarter note, four quarter notes is a whole note, right? That's like the basics of, of writing and reading music. What else do you have for us around connections with math or maybe some other subject?
1: Yeah. So as far as math is concerned, I mean, just the rhythm of life. It's it's really fun to connect, like, rhythm, math, science, and your heartbeat. Because wow. every person, I know, it's so... Oh, every person has a slightly different heartbeat. Mm. And it is scientifically proven that musicians will... Uh, the 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 marching to the beat of your own drum is a scientifically proven theory because every person's heartbeat gives them a certain comfortable tempo so like when i was teaching private piano lessons i would have students who would play songs at a much slower tempo the same exact song different student much faster tempo and you could kind of see like where the body sat with each student based on how quickly or slowly they wanted to play the same song. So it was very, very interesting. So when you start talking with your class about, hey, let's let's check our heart rates. Hey, let's play this song and then check our heart rates again. And then you can really get into, like, math-science connections there. Super interesting and fun.
2: I'd love to jump in here, Bill. Is that yeah, okay? Absolutely. all right
1: so So... Um, Thank you
2: so much for that, Vanessa. What I heard you saying is, to me, reading is interconnection. And what I wanna bring into the conversation is that there is, in my experience, no better way of training the mind and the body to experience the visual field as there is in engaging in the arts. And so the practice of observing um, Uh, representing what is observed, analyzing uh, through observation. I'll give you an an example. Um, Many years ago, I was walking into a um, Pete's and I ordered my latte flat. That's how I ordered at Pete's. And while I was waiting for the barista, I put coins that were in my pocket on the counter and I found myself arranging them on the counter into a floral pattern. There was no reason for me to do that, but the arts are so practiced in my field of experience that I see creation everywhere I look. And so even when putting coins on a counter, I'm arranging them artfully. Uh, When I go out into the world and I experience the visual field, I'm seeing all of the components, all the principles of the visual realm. Um, And what I love to say um, to people who have the time is look around you, wherever you are, take in the space you're in, and it's almost guaranteed that the space you're in will represent the arts. Of course, there's the art of nature, but you will find the art of architecture, you will find fabric design, you will find sculpture, you will find all of the elements of the visual field in your space. And so there is is no separation between the arts and experience.
1: That is so cool, Laura. I'm just like looking across the campus right now and thinking about the way the light comes through the trees and it's, it's only the same for a moment. And then it's something different. And if you keep focusing on that, the creativity that comes from that, because I'm sure there are people listening to us who are saying like, well, what, you know, how does this enhance the life of, I don't know, a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer?
2: Oh, we can tell you, (laughs) we can tell you. A ninth grader.
1: A ninth grader who isn't even thinking of being an artist because I don't know about you, but I... I never am thinking that I'm raising like the next Mozart or the next, like you know, famous playwright or something. I'm, I'm always just thinking of how whatever it is that I'm teaching is going to enhance the life of any person right. as they're older. So right. right, I was I was thinking about this as you were talking a little bit. Like, how do you tell the person who is not an artist why this is important? And I'm thinking about like these like the Fibonacci code and like yeah. solving and cracking, yeah. like that took so much creativity to to find that. And when I hear adults saying, or even kids actually, I'm just not creative, mm. it, it kind of like breaks my heart a little bit because just because you might not be the most talented person in the arts department, that does not mean that you're not creative. And it does not, it by no means, Means that we should not be teaching to like hack into this creativity because that next doctor who figures out how to transplant the the pig uh, spleen into the human <laughs> or the next mathematician who finds this you know thing that we've never discovered it's that's all creativity. They're
0: deeply creative and deeply artistic, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and you know I think that
2: creativity is misunderstood. Definitely, I think that um, the. The, the, the most common um, view of creativity is that it is something um, that you have or you don't, and that some creativity is better than other creativity. I really think, and you brought this about in my thinking as I was listening, I really think about creativity as decision making. And what I have said for a long time about um, art. Is that art isn't a thing? Art is the record of a conversation between a creator and a material. So, but say that one more time. Right. So, art is not a thing, it's not a product. Art is a record of a relationship, communication between a creator and material. And so, then this thesis leads to an artwork being the record. So artworks are simply the receipt, the visible or heard or felt result of a relationship had and a communication had.
1: And the creativity is not the product. Right. The creativity is what happens as you're making. It's like the journey is greater than the destination, right?
0: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. The piece I wanted to share is around co-creation. And so my undergrads in music, been playing in bands a very long time, not full time now, but I was doing that professionally for quite a while. Um, and I see that showing up again and again in my work here at Hillbrook as tech director, when I present at conferences with colleagues, um, kind of you name it. And so I want to dig in a little bit to co-creation. So it's n- it's not just collaboration. I think a lot of people are like, oh, You take a music class, you learn how to play music together. These are great collaborative tools and check, right? You know, got that, okay, cool. And I think it's so much deeper than that. So my main instruments are guitar and bass. And these are ones that I can and do play alone, play along with a recording. Okay, check, 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 that's fine, that's great. But there's something almost magical. I almost feel kind of like Butterflies, like almost a nervous <laughs> first date, in my <laughs> stomach That's, just yeah, talking right. about it right because now
2: because relational.
0: Because when you get on a stage in a practice room, and I'm playing, let's say, bass. There's bass, drums, guitar, someone's singing. Suddenly, it's not just these four, three, two, ten people. Suddenly, you have music, and you can hear all the components. But suddenly, when you have it together, it's something that can't be done live, alone. And I think there's something so powerful about that in non-musical worlds to bring that mindset and that belief that, you know, a lot of my job is solo. When I was teaching, I was the only adult in the room almost all the time. But actually looking at other humans and knowing that there's stuff that when we do it together, we can't do it any other way.
2: I love that so much, right? Bill. Right, because I hear you talking about relationship. Yeah, yeah. and you know, Vanessa, in um, in in music, in vocal arts, um, and think about going to a museum, right? I mean, the the whole experience of creativity is about relationship.
1: Definitely, you know, I see this like we. Our, our, our show choir here has grown exponentially. We, we started last year with seven, and now we have 41. Wow. I know. That's <laughs> it's amazing. amazing. And I see the co-creation that they're doing in this, you know, we need to get together and rehearse. We need to, I mean, the kids are now saying this. We need to get together and rehearse. It's not good enough for us to do it by ourselves in our room. We have to do it together. They're understanding the concept of togetherness. Whereas, like, You know, sometimes we have meetings and they say, okay, this group is going to go and collaborate together. And it's sort of like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Okay, I'm going to do this. Okay, let's break off and do it. It's not like...
0: It's more like task management, product management, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Whereas this process is like... We all have to be here, and if one person is now missing, we feel the absence.
0: And it's, a, it's different. It's oh gosh. fundamentally different.
1: Oh, gosh. you guys. I want to
2: jump in. Okay. Yeah. So there's a very famous museum educator. Her name is Rika Burnham. She's in New York City at the Frick Museum. And Rika Burnham is uh, well known for the way she has um, developed curriculum around seeing art and what what i just thought of was you know around co-creation it is no longer believed in the academic art world that we know what artists meant by their creations what we're really doing now with art education is co-creating to, in 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 the presence of art and experience co-creating meaning. So if we were going to a local museum, we wouldn't be going to the museum to just accept what the artist was saying. We would be going to the museum to together co-create what impact the artwork had on us. So again, the, the our understanding now of the art world and and these records, these records of of conversation that have been had between creator and material are really meant to
1: provoke us to connect mm-hmm. yeah and co- and co-create. This is exactly what we do like uh, in production. So we take you know I'm thinking back to like when I was professionally singing opera. we we have a production and there's all these people working on this production of this thing that's been written hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and we we have just a piece of paper documentation of what it actually was intended to be. Sometimes we don't even have markings or, or or stylistic you know suggestions by the composer. But then we all take it and make it what it is as a group. And yet and and that idea is like. I don't know, like I'm almost feeling like I'm going to tear. I mean, everybody knows I cry all the time. Me too. But, <laughs> but th- this idea of like taking a, a relic that really means nothing without the audience or without the performers or the artists.
2: Oh my gosh. Okay, so coming full circle, remember when you were talking about the heartbeat being really uh, scientifically true? I'm thinking, Bill, about co-creating in the heartbeat and this idea of of creating the meaning um, in time. The... The, the, the impact of this is that at any time in space throughout history, those who are engaging in creativity or art are really representing a meditation on the time itself. Yes. If you get any two uh, or group of musicians together, um, they will play slightly differently every time they come together. Or every they, time. Every time. Yeah. Or they will play differently if different, of course, different musicians are in the mix. So it's a it's a dynamic. It's a dynamic experience the arts. It's never static.
0: Yeah. That's so true. I love that. So as we wrap this up, the one thing that that I just put together with both of what you shared is actually visual literacy. So it's never just your content area. It's always your content area plus the arts. And what I love about Laura what you're talking about with how we process what we see is that's actually language arts. It's not, when we think literacy, so much as just pen and paper. I love that, bell. <laughs> alphanumeric. Uh, I, I was just reading what the NCTE, National Council of teaching, uh, Teachers Teaching of English, we're talking about how English class is not alphanumeric. It's not just words on a page yes. and letters. And so I think visual literacy, being able to code and decode what's in front of us, whether that's the real world or whether that's a screen or whether that's a piece of paper, Um, like I see that show up in almost all the classes.
2: Right. It goes back to language. It goes back to the way we we understand and we communicate about the world. That's
0: right. I love that. Well, Vanessa, Laura, thank you both for joining us. Thank you
2: so much, Bill.
0: This season, we're going to be talking more. Vanessa, you're going to be on a lot more this season as we talk more about the arts and how it actually plays into a student's education.
1: Yes. I'm very excited to see the rest of the episodes unfold
0: (laughs) great thank you all for joining us
1: thanks for the invitation